when people ask me for more confidence, I might recommend success. Well, how do I become successful? Hit what you aim at. December 25th, 2018. It was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, raving fans, money, assets, and yet I was still sitting there on the couch pretending that I was watching that Christmas movie with my family while I was choking down the poison of anxiety. I still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money, the kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends, the kid that got pregnant at 19. I felt stuck, like I was stuck in the sands of time. I did all the right things, all the things that promised me freedom and it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was gonna be an inside job and I would do whatever it took to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool-ass version of Alternative School. Alternative School for the Unruly, entrepreneur. This is for the innovators, the creators, the world changers, the service-minded, and those who want the details on how to create a business that really, truly, finally fucking sets you free. I'm your host, Andrea Crowder, and welcome to the Unruly Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's go to the show. Welcome back to the Unruly Entrepreneur Podcast, Dr. John Connolly, also my favorite bestie. How are you? It's so lovely to see you, Andrea. Thanks for having me back. Did you say it's still lovely to see you? I said so lovely oh. to see you. <laughs> Is there a point where that's going to run out was going to be my next question. It's just so lovely. Still lovely that's today. Still lovely. Tomorrow. Your time is running out. You're no out. <laughs> Well, I thought it would be fun today to just have more of like a conversation between you and I about the concept of self-love. We just had Valentine's Day and it's kind of top of mind, especially for people who didn't really celebrate it as a couple or with a partner. And you just think about this in such a unique, different way as you do pretty much everything. And you always blow my mind. But when somebody, when somebody says something or when it, let's start with this. When a therapist says you just need to love yourself more aside from the vomit in the back of your throat, what's the first thought that comes to mind? Well, when people are saying, I don't like myself or I don't trust myself or right down to, I hate myself. Mm-hmm. I believe that, that there's some, it, it's interesting to me to understand what this thing called myself is, as they describe that. Yep. So it seems to me that when someone says I, I means whatever facet of mind or being that individual is at that moment identifying with. And self is then all the rest. Why would somebody even think to say that I hate myself, very likely he may be hating how he's feeling. And our language 
Andrea, uh, is responsible for much of the dysfunction, I think. So if I say, I'm sad, and you say, well, good to meet you, I'm Andrea, I'm sad indicates that it is me. So if I'm feeling like these terrible emotions are who I am, it's understandable I would hate them. Like, I would hate to feel enraged. I felt enraged. I don't like how that feels. And if I think, well, I am a rage-aholic, mm -hmm. I feel all this rage, it locks right into, I therefore hate myself. Mm -hmm. Or one might hate her um, actions, or hate her thoughts, or hate her situation. But primarily, I think it's hating emotion. And then somebody might be saying, I hate myself, meaning she hates her arms or her stomach or, or her chest. Where's that even originating? Well, you know, that's again a thought emotion that's causing distress. My, my ass is causing people to look down on me. Mm -hmm. So I hate my ass, but that's me. So I hate myself. And when people are experiencing that kind of pain and think that they are what they've been feeling, yeah. and then somebody tells them that they have to love it in order to ever get better, it can seem, <clears throat> I'm afraid, insurmountable. How can I hate? How, how, how do I? I think I am depressed. I think I am depressed. Oh, well, we don't want you to be depressed. Thank you. Because I, 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 I am depressed. Identity statement. I am depressed. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you need to love yourself. I think I am depressed. So I have to love being depressed in order to not be depressed. But how do you love being depressed when being depressed feels awful? Right. And, and it causes this not. So I would say, you know, Eagle is hungry and she sees this good looking rabbit and she doesn't say, well, I better be loving on myself and then I'll go get the rabbit or the rabbit will be gone. No other life form is, is doing this thing that we're causing people who feel miserable to think they need to do. We don't tell that to people who are doing well. Yeah. I mean, some guy who's skiing down the hill and winning a, a, a gold medal, is anybody stopping him and saying, I'm, I think you need to do more lo loving of self? Mm -hmm. No, that, that thing is, is aimed at people who are unhappy and think that the unhappiness is who they are, and now are told that they have to love being unhappy. I mean, those words aren't said, but if I think I am unhappy, and you tell me I have to love myself, get it? I am unhappy, well, love yourself. Well, love what? I am unhappy, so myself is unhappy, so I love unhappy in order to get happy. And it puts people, I think, in a tailspin of misery. So yeah. I've noticed that people who are uh, seeking 
assistance by going to substance abuse programs generally are spending uh, all day in groups where they're thinking about themselves and particularly are encouraged to think about what might have happened that caused them to feel angry at various times of their life or, or ashamed. And so, you know, he's three days away from methamphetamine, spending all day thinking about the things that he has been most unhappy about, uh, uh, and then trying to love himself. It's, I'm sort of repeating, I think now, so I'll shut up. <laughs> I think what it sounds like to me is like people are looking to, okay, you're feeling this way. So what's the opposite? The opposite would be like a better feeling. So let me just tell you to do that. And that's looking at somebody with a behavioral problem who's craving, asking, begging for help and saying, well, just stop it. Just stop the behavior. And they're like throwing their hands in the air, like motherfucker, if I could have stopped this shit on my own, I would have, I would have done that a long time ago. And I know that we were just chatting before this, talking about like the RRT way of thinking is that if somebody else doesn't change that as a therapist, we say that's because I wasn't skilled enough. And it's funny that came up when I was talking to a friend the other day, whose kid came home with a note from his teacher saying, you know, I've been asking your son to stop talking in class, stop talking during this time. And he just keeps doing it. And like her answer all the time is to say, well, just stop it instead of figuring out why this child is basically trying the teacher's to, answer or the parent the teacher's answer was just stop just it. stop it and i said to them and i was like you know in rt if we can't get someone to stop doing that we say it's because we're not skilled enough maybe this teacher needs to <laughs> oh well i want to weigh in on what you just said because I, I i'm talking to this gal lovely gal has, has a, a couple of children and supports them on her own. There's no other parent. Mm -hmm. She works in a, a donut place and she works extra shifts to try to, to just make ends meet. And the assistant principal called her the other day. She called me, she was upset and said that her uh, son fell asleep in class. And she um, should please address that. And and I I wanted to tell her, I mean, here's an organization with a principal, an assistant principal, two psychologists, six social workers, 12 guidance counselors, everybody else has a master's in education, has information about how to educate people. And they're calling this gal who, who, who works long hours in a donut shop, telling her to fix what's going on within their place, inside their shop. I, I wanted to tell her, call the principal, not the assistant principal, call the principal. And, and when he says, yes, what's wrong? You just say, well, yesterday I, I made a whole dinner for my son, and I asked him to just help dry the dishes, not even do the dishes, and just dry the dishes. And then I looked around, and he snuck out with his friends. So please take care of that. <laughs> and they'd be, well, why would you call us mm -hmm. in order to manage things in your home? Exactly. <laughs> why would you call me in order to manage things in your freaking school? 
You know, I mean, I'm not in patrol in your class. And if people are falling asleep when your teachers are teaching, I wonder whether the teachers are being really inspirational <laughs> and keeping them awake. I mean, if I am giving a talk and I see people falling asleep, I better, you know, walk closer to them and talk a little louder or bang something to make yeah. a point, uh, not call the guy's mother and tell him to stay awake. So I, I'm upset with people shirking responsibility and blaming the people that they've let down. And I believe the mental health industry does that. And certainly the educational industry does that mm -hmm. uh, all the time. I was terrified in school. You know, you, you would either get bribed for getting an A or, or disgraced and humiliated if you weren't compliant in, in the right way, uh, rather than rather than motivated, blah, blah, blah. So that stuff are just about education, because you mentioned it. But the other thing you mentioned that caught my attention was Valentine's Day. And I think people ought to know that it makes sense. It's okay to be miserable on Valentine's Day, and probably even more miserable on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot, there's a lot of pain there. And people are also really likely to be miserable on vacations. People are miserable when they're supposed to be happy. Yeah. If I'm supposed to be happy, then I'm not happy. Then I'm really not happy about not being happy when I'm really supposed to be happy. And I'm certainly supposed to be happy on Christmas. And I'm certainly supposed to be happily in love on Valentine's Day. It's, you know, I should be in love and eat a lot of sugar. <laughs> so I can have a nice, strong crush. So I, I thought it was so cool you brought it up. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Just, well, let's go back to, unless you have more on that. Go back to what? Well, what I was thinking is we had talked, we'd started talking a little bit about like identity of like people using words, like I'm depressed. Um, and then the, the antidote of that is supposed to be just love yourself more. And I love, it's like the word just always starts with something really useless, <laughs> right. That's coming right after it. So just stop, just love yourself more. And, and that's, almost never helpful. So what would be helpful to someone who's feeling, you know, some sort of suffering, especially let's start with, let's start with like how people are perceiving their physical reflection. Cause I think that that's where it probably gets used the most is just love yourself more in terms of how you look and people are feeling really bad about that already. How would you, how would you address well, that? If we look at other life forms, Mm -hmm. ducks, trees, zebras. Um, if we look at other life forms, they seem to be doing well. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't seem to be endangering the earth. They're not causing other life forms to become extinct every day. You know, they're not about to blow up the globe. The, the zebra has not learned to really love her legs. And so what do they do? What do the zebras do? They look out. 
they look and see other things. Mm -hmm. And we're encouraging people to be looking in in order to feel better. And I mean, isn't most of what's going on with counseling and therapy about encouraging people to look in? And isn't what's going on with treatment of substance abuse encouraging people to look in? And the whole thing, what, what's going on with, with the way we're, we're treating people who are traumatized in the war, and now they're veterans who are dealing with this stuff, they're encouraged to look in. What can we do instead? Encourage people to look out and provide experiences of success. Um, and how do you, because so many people probably ask you, they certainly ask me, um, how do I develop confidence? Mm -hmm. I want to be more confident. You're, you're doing all this amazing coaching for people who are looking to create lives through being successful as um, business owners. People tell me that what I need is to be more confident, but you help me to gain confidence. Sort of tongue in cheek. When people ask me for more confidence, I might recommend success. Mm -hmm. I think that should do it for you. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't understand, Doc. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to be confident so I can be successful. Didn't you just say I should be successful so I could be confident? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that seems to be maybe the, a better way to approach it. Well, how do I become successful? Hit what you aim at. How do I hit what I aim at? Well, a guy I knew was hired by the army to deal with the problem they were having, which was to uh, they're trying to teach people to shoot 45 caliber pistols, big pistol. And he got hired because he claimed he could get people better at that. And they said, well, go ahead. He said, well, I'd like to watch the way you are doing it. And there's this big, gruff the sergeant comes out and looks at him and says, okay, you assholes, I'm passing out this gun. It's big, it's heavy, it's dangerous. Um, and, and don't fuck it up. Um, and then the guy um, is told to take this piece of paper with a target on it, hook it up to this clothesline thing with, a, with like a, a clothespin, and then reel it out, 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 so you could barely see it. And then you shoot at it a whole bunch of times, and then you reel it in to see if you hit it. And so my buddy said, well, we can probably do better than that. So he got an instructor that was um, pleasing to be around and look at. And she hand handed out the targets, which were like beach towels that had a great big, huge black circle in the center. And she said, okay, I'd like you to just reel that out so that it's one whole foot in front of you. And then just hold out the gun and see if you can hit that black spot. I mean, you couldn't not hit the black spot because it's a few inches from, from the gun. So everybody hit it. And she said, and clapped her hands and said, let's reel it out now another six inches. And was, yes. So 
how did we build confidence by causing success? How do you cause success? By getting a target that you can hit and then, <laughs> and then hit the target. And then, whoa, I hit the target. Uh, yay. So um, th then you can narrow it, maybe move the target a little further away, a little further away. Because when you're looking to succeed at something and create confidence and interest, two things to look at. Is it close enough, easy enough to hit that you're likely to hit it? Is it far enough away so that it's interesting to shoot at it? So if she just kept the beach towel three inches from where the guy's going to have the gun, um, people would start dropping out. And if we interview them, why, why didn't you go to target practice today? They'd probably say, well, it, it's sort of boring. It's hard for me to keep my mind on it. You know, every day it's the same thing. I have to shoot this huge mark on a beach towel too far away. Oh, that's really frustrating and discouraging. So it's about balancing it so that it's far enough to be interesting, but not too far to be hitting. Mm -hmm. And then that will require continuing to move it toward greater distance, toward more refined targets. As you're coaching people, you figure out what you recommend that she does. And if it's too easy, she would find it boring. Mm -hmm. And if it's too hard, she'd find it frustrating. So you've got to think, where do I put this thing in order to be of value to this person? And that's what you do so well as a coach. I wrote a post yesterday that said, become a motherfucking FBI agent looking for evidence in which you're already winning. Most people are building evidence in which they're losing and not realizing that they're already winning in so many different places. So I love everything that you just said. And of course you always, <laughs> I'm, I'm always like halfway through and I'm like, where's he going with this? Where's he going with this? And then bullseye. <laughs> okay. But go back to the zebra looking out and not looking at zebra's own legs. And cause I don't think we really wrapped up the reframe for somebody who's dealing with that from a physical perspective. Like, how do you, would you wrap the conversation of confidence into that? Like find well, a way for it's not. I think, Andrea, the thing is, I don't feel good about my face. Mm -hmm. Oh, how do I get you to feel good about your face? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't feel good about my body. How do I get you to feel good about your body? But I think we're missing the, the here we are with the firing range again. We're missing the target mm -hmm. because... I'm really enjoying our meeting and I am very aware of your face <laughs> and I'm not aware of mine. I, I have it on screen so that I, I would know if I was slipping out of range where you couldn't see me because you'd like to see me when you're talking to me, mm -hmm. but I don't 
look at myself when I'm talking to you. Yeah. When I was terrified of public speaking, I mean, I wasn't just terrified of public speaking, I was terrified of walking past somebody on the sidewalk, much less speaking in front of a, I mean, really, I did, I crossed the street, so I wouldn't have to walk past uh, a kid anywhere near my age when I was like younger. The thing is, it's not that I'm now really liking my face. How many times during our conversation have you been thinking, you know, I really got this forehead thing now. <laughs> I mean, Only I twice. just like the way my forehead is looking today. And, and now he's making me smile. And boy, that makes me pretty. <laughs> uh, oh, you're out. You're laughing at something I'm saying. You're not thinking about making uh, a, a nice laugh thing so that I'm looking at you admiringly. So mm -hmm. I think the solution isn't to get people to love the way they look, but to get that to not matter because they're focused on out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that's extreme. It doesn't mean, you know, if it's an important business meeting, you, you should go in your nightgown because that's what you happen to have on at the time it's starting. Uh, I know that if I'm going to attend a Zoom meeting, I, I should at least put a shirt on and remember to not stand up. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, so it's not just be completely oblivious to mirrors. Try not to spend a whole lot of time there with that thing and look at other people and things and be out and focus and doing stuff out there. And I will look better to you if I'm not thinking about my face and trying to find it more lovable, mm -hmm. I'll look better to you if I'm looking at you. Right. And if I'm listening to you, I think maybe that is on the way to, uh, I mean, it's complex, but that's on the way to a solution there. At least it gets out of the way the things we're telling people they need to do that they don't need to do, which was how you started this whole conversation. What, what, what about these people think they need to love themselves? It just works so against us. I've noticed that the more that I'm not focused on the reflection and I'm more focused on how do I want to feel, which is maybe sometimes interested, which is when I would pick up the phone and have a conversation or I want to feel nourished. And so therefore I'm going to choose a specific food that helps me feel nourished or playful when I'm doing these things that like get kind of wrapped up in the container of, I kind of feel happy doing them. I feel satisfied. I like the word satisfied for me. I notice that I feel differently about my physical reflection anyway, because think about it, you know, from the perspective of like, when you're having a great day, you kind of, you just have a different pep in your step anyway. And I don't, I don't critique myself in the same way when I feel good based off of zooming, like what you're saying, zooming out and looking at other things, other components. When I do zoom in and I look at myself, I do feel a little bit differently on those days where I've done a great job zooming out first. So, okay. Yes. I see that. That makes, mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense. Um, zoom out, look out, look out, look out look at things that are out there yeah get interested in 
what can you contribute? What can you give? What can you take? Mm -hmm. um, and they're both the same. What can you give? What can you take? Because if I give to you, wow, I'm taking so much from that. If I take from you, I'm taking so much from that. By really looking for what I can take from you I'm, and give to you, it, it's, all, it's all coming back to me, but I'm not looking at my reflection. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at what will enhance how you are. This is a whole nother like side topic, but you completely like blew my brain up when we had the conversation around selfishness, like generosity versus selfishness. Do you remember that we were doing an art? Yeah. That being selfish is the most loving thing yeah. you can do. And being loving is the most selfish thing you can do. Um, <laughs> yes, and awesome. I find, I find people who are achieving who have achieved and are achieving great financial success sometimes have have fallen off track with with that in that the more you succeed the more money you have the less it gets you in other words the difference between you have no place to live but this is and now you have a a studio apartment. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. And it's pretty cool. If you go from a studio apartment to an actual, maybe home where you have a lawn, but it's not as big as going from homeless to that studio apartment. Mm -hmm. And then when you, if you go from that home to four mansions, that costs so many times more than the house. So a whole lot more has to be done to get it. And it's not really that much better. Yeah. Because when you have four mansions, and we know people who have way more than four, it's discouraging because they still have trouble being in more than one room. <laughs> here i am eight million dollars later and i'm still in a freaking room <laughs> you say the darndest things it's been so fun to visit with you <laughs> wait did we finish that one i just started laughing about the I'm, rooms I'm, I'm, the I'm, i think i'm out of steam on it um but <laughs> but when you're directing your your attention out yeah then I can really make a difference for him. And now I can make a difference. Now I've got more resources. I can make an even more of a difference for them. And yeah. it doesn't reach a point of diminishing returns like acquiring wealth for self does. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm depressed because I have six planes. And yesterday I was only able to fly in one at a time. <laughs> and that's what the hell I was doing. When I had one plane. Right. <laughs> so well, a lot of effort, not much progress. But when you're putting your energy out to lifting others. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Then the more you acquire, the more you have. The bigger the experience, the, yes. the, the, the better. So I have a lot of people training with me um, and various trainings I do. And 
What I don't do are much are trainings where people are just in there liking to like themselves better or get more for themselves. My trainings are frequently, what can you do to be more useful to other people? Yeah. Why should you be more useful to other people? Because it's the most freaking selfish thing you can do. So the frame, the frame that you gave me that really helped me get that is it's not just about doing for others. It's about doing for the thing for others that feels like you're getting the most by doing it. So there's where like the selfishness comes from. It's like you're already winning by serving that you're already getting. It's like the payment afterwards, if you're exchanging money is like the icing on the cake, but you're already so activated. And, or I would say activated, turned on, inspired, uh, energized by the process. It's when we're giving absolutely your concept of selfishness and generosity was interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to say it exactly how you said it, which PS, if you have little kids around, this is the time to mute and get headphones. But John said to me, he goes, He's like, if you have a guy going down on you, do you want him to be generous or selfish? And I was like, uh, <laughs> generous. <laughs> and I was like, I know I'm about to get tricked here as soon as he asked the question. And I was like, he, and he goes, are you sure? And I was like, well, now I'm not <laughs> since you asked the question. And he said something along the lines, I can't remember the exact metaphor, but you said like somewhere along the lines of after so long, like the guy who's being generous is going to lose steam. And when he loses steam and he's like not getting what he thinks he wants out of it, that later on starts to breed resentment. So like the downhill battle of that just equals nobody's winning. You're not winning because somebody's giving to you from the state of resentment eventually. And then we're I actually lost my train of thought, but I think you get the point. Maybe you can say that. No, I'm stuck in the image. <laughs> I was like the shit that comes out of your mouth sometimes, but it landed so uh, hard. You know, I, I was I, like, I, no, I'm not going to claim credit for having said that. I don't know who you heard that from. <laughs> no, but I loved it because I was like, from now on, I seek the selfish guys. <laughs> well, you want the guy who's saying, I, I, Joe, I got to go because I get a chance to be with Andrea tonight. Oh, my God, that makes me so happy. I might get to be with her as opposed to, Joe, I wish I could stay with you, but I want to do the right thing and go see Andrea. She, It's important to her, you know, when I get close. Uh, I want to do the yes. right thing. Yeah, there it is. And it's like, there it is. Yuck. Yes. Doing the right thing doing what you're supposed to do to be the good partner, to be the good coach, to be the good mom, to be the like, whatever, like versus doing the thing that you're like, fuck, I can't think of anything else that I would rather do. Like, let me pay that person. Let yeah. me be partnered with that person. Let there me you hang go. out with that person. Yeah. So I will never think about selfishness as the same. You have no idea how many people I've told about that, where I was like, I was having a session with John and he said. <laughs> I'm denying no authorship, but <laughs> I, I probably did say that. <laughs> but it landed with every single person that I told. So it was well, actually the most go. useful metaphor you could have given me. <laughs> You're the best, Andrea. Thanks so much. You're the best, John. <laughs> and that's where John's like, we're done. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
Bye-bye, folks. Hi, this is Lorelai, COO of The Unruly Entrepreneur. If you want a mini taste of rapid resolution therapy, I highly recommend Andrea's top program, Regulate, a course that is swiftly changing lives like one listener who said, Regulate is like the best damn anti-anxiety non-med fix available. Everyone needs to have this. Thank you for creating something so healing. And another who said, I woke up to the biggest weekly paycheck I've seen in over a year. And I was like, wait, that felt easy and seamless. What was different? And immediately I was like, yep, it was Regulate. A hundred percent it was. Head to the show notes to learn more about this life-changing and laid-back program that fills our inbox with stories of relaxed nervous systems. And because you're still listening, we have a top secret 15% off code reserved only for our most unruly listeners. Just add the code SECRET at checkout to claim your discount. Thanks for listening, friend. We're so glad you're here.